welcome to the Shenandoah Valley Life Podcast, where we introduce you to Shenandoah Valley residents who are living, working, and thriving in Virginia's iconic valley. Ready to make the Shenandoah Valley your home? Visit ShenandoahValleyLiving.com to start your Shenandoah Valley life. This is Jay Langston, the Executive Director of the Shenandoah Valley Partnership, the Regional Economic Development and Marketing Organization in the Shenandoah Valley. Today, we are interviewing Maggie Anderson, who works with Speyside, but she also owns her own consulting firm, and she's here to talk about the work that they are doing in Bath County in the Shenandoah Valley, but also some of the great features in the area. I think you will find both her background and what is going on with their company and in the Valley very exciting. This podcast is brought to you by our friends from the Stanton Innovation Hub, a wonderful co-working space in the city of Stanton. Grow with us at the Stanton Innovation Hub, a co-working facility designed to reduce barriers to innovation, open new opportunities, and cultivate community. Located in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, we're in close proximity to Interstates 81 and 64. We're surrounded by eight colleges and universities and have 30,000 square feet of co-working office and event space. Let us help you eliminate distractions in a safe, energetic environment. To learn more, visit stantonhub.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Shenandoah Valley Live podcast. I have the pleasure of talking with Maggie Anderson uh, today, and I'll just set this up a little bit because we've had young entrepreneurs that make me feel inadequate, and now I look at Maggie's background, and I still feel (laughs) in many ways uh, inadequate. Uh, uh, Maggie Anderson was educated on the West Coast. She went to University of California, Riverside, got her master's in library science. My wife would love you because she (laughs) has a bachelor's in library science um, at the University of Oregon. And I find your background absolutely fascinating. You were with Warner Research, where you were the director of research. Then you were with CBS, the documentary side of things, where you were managing that. You then ran, were the executive director and the VP of the National Association of Theater Owners, where you were in North Hollywood. Do I remember that correct? Correct. And then suddenly you're in Bath and you're the tourism and economic development person. And now you have, and I know you and I have talked about this, the pleasure of doing the marketing for Speyside Bourbon Cooperage, uh, which is an international company. And I know many people don't uh, know about it, but I have a small connection to Speyside. So welcome, Maggie. Well, thank uh, you. It's a pleasure to be here. We were talking about it before we started the recording, and sometimes it's often that we have the best conversations before we start recording. But with your background, how in the heck did you wind up in Shenandoah Valley in Bath, Bath County? I'd love to hear your story. Well, I'd love to share it with you. Um, I could say I was just lucky, uh, and in truth, uh, 17 years later, it it was luck um, that I was able to come to such a beautiful place. But the truth, and this is even better, is love. 
Uh, my husband was born in Bath County. He left. Uh, he became a Marine. Of course, you're always a Marine. I've learned that since I've been married. Um, and then went into the theater business, movie theaters, while he was in the Marine Corps after serving um, his military. Built the first movie theater in Da Nang during the Vietnam War and then had his career in the exhibition industry. My last job, as you noted, was as the VP and executive director for the National Association of Theater Owners, which is movie theaters. We met 20 some years prior to our getting together. Um, he was on my executive board, and I managed the association. We were friends for 20 years before we decided to fall in love. We fell in love, and um, part of the relationship was the idea that we would come and, quote, retire in Bath County. I don't think retire is in either of our vocabularies, but okay. I, I don't think with what you're doing, you would call that retired, but it sounds like you're having a lot of fun, so please Absolutely. Continue. So, you know, we were going to sit on the front porch and, and watch the leaves turn, but in truth, we did move to Bath County, um, and for a year or so, I kind of just learned what it meant to be in such a beautiful place. When I came here, of course, I was a determined and committed city girl. I don't camp. I don't hike. I don't really do much outdoors. And when I did move here after getting married at the homestead, my friends were just waiting for me to come back to Los Angeles and to my sanity. And, you know, I've never looked back. I do visit occasionally and, in fact, will be going there in May. But the truth of the matter is there isn't anything more beautiful than where I live there's nothing more satisfying than life in the Shenandoah Valley. It has everything that we want um, as a place to live, as a culture. And, you know, sometimes life gives you what you need, not what you expect. If I had, as a little girl, said, gee, I want to grow up and live in the Shenandoah Valley, if, yeah, no. But the truth <laughs> of the matter is it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. That is a great story. And you have been able to combine, I think, a couple of your loves mm. in, a, in a way that you hear. Talk about your work with Bath County, but even more so, Speyside. Absolutely. With the work that you're doing there. And I, most people don't know this, but I was so impressed with what Speyside did during the COVID pandemic last year. Uh, and why don't you describe Speyside? Because most people probably don't even know what a Cooperage is, but uh, Speyside is, you know, uh, well, I'll let you take it away. All right. Speyside is really an extraordinary company. As an entity in the United States, Speyside Bourbon Cooperage is a new business, conceivably. It came to Ohio built its first cooperage, repurposing an old Marillette building in 2015. But you have to back up to understand the history of the organization. We are owned now by a company called the TFF Group, and I won't even attempt to say the French, but it literally means three French brothers who are Coopers. They've been in existence since 1906, and they are a multinational company that produces wine barrels and whiskey barrels and and now 
they've decided that bourbon is a, an, an up-and-coming market and a smart move for them as a company. In 2008, they bought our, what I call, parent company, Speyside Cooperage, that exists in Scotland. And this is a, a, a cooperage that creates and then uh, takes barrels that have been used and fixes them and then resells them for, for, for whiskey. Understanding that bourbon is a unique American product, okay? Bourbon is bourbon because of the way in which it's uh, distilled. So it has to be, by law, somebody was very smart, by law, the, the product has to be in a brand new charred white oak barrel, and it has to live in that barrel for a minimum of two years. But as we know, aging is a, a, an important process. And so two years is a minimum for the product. All, all whiskeys are bourbons, but not bourbons are not all whiskeys. So the whiskey that goes into the barrel, while it lives in the barrel, is then transformed into that lovely and delicious liquid called bourbon. I'm with you. Yeah, really. And I never drank bourbon before I started this job, so it's probably not a good thing that I'm working for them because I've become quite uh, fond of uh, my bourbon. But Speyside itself um, is a unique company here in the U.S., because it has that long history. Speyside in Scotland was in, from 1947, two brothers, family. You'll notice that family tie. The Francois brothers, family since 1906. And I see Speyside as a family organization. We embrace the people that come to work for us. So in 2015, the, um, the cooperage began. And of course, the best way in way to control your product is to then control all parts of it, that sort of element of vertical integration. So um, our general manager, uh, Darren Whitmer, decided that what we needed was a stave mill. They began their research many, many, many months before I ever knew who Speyside was. Yeah, and, you're leading right where I was going, uh, oh, so okay. please continue. <laughs> yes, go all ahead. Right. Um, so they began what I guess every company does is their research. And they began by trying to determine the best place to find their white oak because that is their product that they need. They visited many times in the Shenandoah Valley without, as we know, without anybody knowing they were here. They um, secured the help of a realtor, and that realtor knew about the Shenandoah Valley Partnership and happened to be friends with Joan Holland, who was working yes. for the partnership at that at time. The time. Yes. I was very involved with the partnership and attending meetings. And of course, at that time, they were building the website for VEDP. And I'm not sure they still call it this, but the vanilla scan where you would yes, put your things in. That is correct. So uh, Joan had helped us develop because we didn't really have economic development um, in our area of, formally. So we had developed this profile of our industrial park. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call from Joan saying, I, you know, I think I have this project you'd be interested in. That was in 2015. Fast forward to 2016, after lots of visits and lots of opportunities for the company to look other places, because the Shenandoah Partnership represents everyone in this area, you know, um, Lexington and Harrisonburg, many visits to many other locations, and they kept coming back gratefully to Bath County's Industrial Park. So about a year later, we were finalizing the process, and of course, then the... Um, 
the Cooperage began being built. That's a great story. Oh, and yes. Speyside has expanded within Virginia well, as, as well. That's exactly right. And I would credit the good experience we had through the Shenandoah Partnership. You know, the work doesn't end with with our partnerships with either Shenandoah or any of the economic development groups, VEDP. Everyone stayed with this project. And as we, as with any project, you hit a bump. Oh, we need help with DEQ or we need help here. That committed relationship that we enjoyed with SVP only signaled to my management, because now I'm lucky enough to work for them, that this was a good place to do business. And so what happened that went well in Bath County only signaled, well, let's look elsewhere in Virginia because they have White Oak in Pennsylvania and they have White Oak in Maryland. So there were other states, West Virginia, that were competing for their attention, but nothing kept bringing them back like Virginia. I was brought on in 2018 uh, after a small um, period away from working at all to help facilitate the projects down in Southwest Virginia. And the first phone call I made was to Carrie Chenery. And she said, no, you can't talk to us because I didn't know a lot about Southwest Virginia. So right. she said, but right. please call on VIAA, please call on a couple of individuals in both Washington and Smith because those are the areas we were looking at. And she said, and I promise you they will help. And then also call VEDP. And that's exactly what we did. And everyone just like that became a partner for us in a different region. Yep, mobilized and help you. And and for those who don't know, Carrie Chinnery was my predecessor at the Shenandoah Valley Partnership. And your story is a great testimonial to the partnerships that we want to help our businesses. And if it's not a perfect fit for us, or is there is a need because of markets somewhere else, we will hand off. We will make sure that the company uh, is handled properly. So thank you. That, that's a, it's a great story of how sometimes happenstance, but then good work and follow through really makes a difference. I want to a, a pivot a little bit. And, oh, and I should have, I, I left out one of your occupations too. You run your own firm, your consulting firm. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm sure that that's involved in some of this, but Talk about what Speyside did during the pandemic. I think this goes back to the values that you were talking about. Indeed. One of our core values, of course, is to be corporate good citizens. Everyone was stunned by what happened with COVID. And we, when everyone got their sea legs back and realized this was something we were going to be in for the long haul, we better figure out what we're doing here. We did several things. We were first number one impacted by COVID because all of those lovely bourbon distilleries started making hand sanitizer. So even though we were considered an essential business because of the, the wood and the forest products, our cooperages suffered a little bit. In fact, for the first time in our history, we had to experience layoffs in Atkins. That was tough for us. But our stave mills because now we have a stave mill in Glade and we have the stave mill in Millborough and in other states, continued to produce staves so that when the um, pandemic was over, we'd be able to hit the ground running. In the interim, we looked for ways 
to be responsive to the needs of our communities. The governor had asked for possibly monetary support for some of the um, gloves and that kind of stuff. We tried to be responsive to that, but we were really anxious to do something quickly. And you know how government is sometimes it's a little slower. So, and just to, to <laughs> put this in perspective, Maggie called me two or three times. We had multiple emails and your speed of addressing <laughs> the issue was far greater than some of our, let's just say, slower <laughs> bureaucratic processes. So I just want people to know that you really were jumping on this very quickly. So we, uh, continue. I we, just think that needed explanation. Well, that's very nice of you. Of course, we live in a little community, and so we feel it so much faster, I think, than the bigger cities. So what we ended up doing was providing funds for many of the local food banks. After all, these are people in our community. Many of the folks that work for us have to take advantage of, you know, or their family members do. So it, it was it was the right thing to do. It was immediate and it was um, it was where we lived. And so we participated in a variety of, of food banks in Millborough, Southwest Virginia, Feeding Southwest Virginia, and then also in our Kentucky, our Ohio locations. Yeah, that, it was, it was, uh, I've talked about what your company did uh, a number of times. Oh, thank and you. And it really was impressive. And that's one of the things that it fits so well with the the ethos of the valley is mm-hmm. people here collaborate, will help one another and respond quickly. Uh, and I just loved the speed in which <laughs> Speyside and you, um, you know, pivoted to really make things happen. Well, it was the right thing to do. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, change the the tact of the conversation just a, a little bit. I've had the privilege of touring the headquarters in Scotland uh, many years ago. It was in 2014. I'm very jealous. And uh, it was a, you know, being an economic developer, it never gets out of your blood, kind of like what you've done with with your career. But we ran across, and and I know, please, if there are any Scotch on here, I know I'm going to butcher the town, but Crigalachry. That's correct. And we stopped, and I was like, Cooperage. I think that's where they make barrels. I'm interested. I saw that they had tours. So nothing's better than going on a company tour in my, in my world. I was fascinated. I knew nothing about the making of barrels and, you know, a little bit about scotch. We did go on a, a scotch um, tour uh, after that, but that all of the barrels the wood comes from America, and they're ex-bourbon barrels. And it's because of the white oak and that chard and that use of the bourbon. And I learned it was fascinating. And I asked, being, you know, curious in economic development, I asked a bunch of questions of our tour guide. And, well, why are you rebuilding the barrels? Don't you just bring in? And I found out at that time that a new barrel cost approximately 750 pounds in 2014, and I completely got it at that point. And they said they refurbish as much as possible. They bring in those materials. 
I was fascinated at also the apprenticeships required to do that, which leads to, I'm sorry, long story to get to my question, but explain to people what happens in your operation and the kind of skill sets that you look for for people making this. It's not a simple process at, at all. And, you know, how does this fit with, you know, again, the Valley? How do you find the people? Tell us what, what they do. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to start at a different end of the story um, because we do control all aspects of our production from the very first element, which is log buying, to the production of a barrel. I will say this because I probably forget to say it. One of the things we're very proud of in our organization is that we've married old world culture. I mean, barrels have been around for thousands of years, so and they've been made by hand. Well, we can't make them by hand. We have to produce 800 of them a day, so that's oh not gosh. practical. <laughs> so you are... You're using old world craftsmen. We actually have coopers in the building that finish and refine and fix. But we also have ergonomically designed equipment to ma to maximize the production process so that we feel like we're the most, and I think it's true, the most state-of-the-art stave mills, the new ones, and cooperages in the world. So that's my little plug. Now for the answer to your question. What I like about Speyside is that there are opportunities at every level for employment. You can either start as a kid right out of high school with no experience, and we have many, many jobs, production worker jobs, that you come in. We, we have to train you on our equipment anyway. You're never going to have used that equipment anywhere else. So if you have two hands, two eyes, two feet, and you don't mind standing, we can train you to do that job. And then there are a variety of floor jobs under the production operator mantle. Too many to numerate, but it's a great, it's a beginning job for us and it's $35,000 a year. Okay. And that's at the stave mill level. That's a great job. And that includes benefits. That's a full matching 401k. We provide, uh, you know, gloves and glasses and shoes once a year, that kind of thing. So it's, it, it is a good working beginning wage. Imagine an 18 year old making that kind of money. That's great. And we, we, we like older workers. Women make great production operators because of that hand-eye coordination yes. and you're trying to sort things. So it is really an equal opportunity, employment opportunity. But the process itself, very quickly, we buy our own logs. So we have log buyers. That's a little bit of a more professional position and people can roll into that or they learn it through forestry and education at the community college level or at tech. We then have a variety, in addition to our production operators, of skilled folks, technicians, people who can weld. And that allows people different steps higher up in the organization. And you can start as a production operator and not formally apprentice, but learn other jobs and have opportunities Apprentice -like to Apprentice-like exactly. program, yeah. We really like uh, promoting from within. So that opportunity for somebody who comes in and goes, wait, I can make a home here, they really can. So that is sort of the role of basic employment. We have a stave mill, and I call that a sexy sawmill because it's better than just making logs because what you're doing is you're creating 
most people would call them slats. It's the pieces of the board, I mean, excuse me, pieces of the barrel, but they're called staves. The top, which I would call a top, is called a heading. So we make those pieces at the stave mill. So you can't just saw a log. It's a log that becomes a half a log and a quarter log and then gets turned into staves. That's the process at a stave mill. The cooperage is way cool. What you saw is nothing compared to what we do down in Atkins or up in Jackson. I liken it to, do you remember the Disney movie, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, when yes. Mickey Mouse is doing all of that <laughs> stuff and the stars are flying around and the music is wonderful? That's what I say when you go to see a barrel made, because it is that beautiful blend of automation and handwork. And what happens is the staves come in, they get sorted. Somebody literally pulls the staves off. And if you ever watch it done, you will flip. I don't, it's not like they have a pattern. They just know. They pull the staves off, they put them in a ring, and that's called raising the barrel. It comes from flat to raised. And then the process begins. You put rings on, you steam it, you char it. And there are a variety of chars. There's up to five chars. So you could be bourbon maker number one, and you want a char number two, and Scott could be a bourbon maker number five, and he wants a char number four. That creates the flavor profile within the barrel. Barrel runs through the mechanism, comes out, people check it. If it's not okay, it goes to the cooper, the old-fashioned way, and it's fixed. Ultimately, the barrel is made and is made by to specification. The beauty of the way in which we do things is that we control every aspect of the quality. We control the wood, we control the staves, we control how those staves are dried, and then how the barrel is made. We can guarantee the same barrel every time. And what you've just described is a great example for what people think is a simple product but then you think about it. This is this is part of the component of a consumable item that people are consuming. And and by the way, uh, Maggie mentioned Scott. Scott's our producer over here. Uh, uh, Scott and I, I think, uh, and I are both getting thirsty now that we're talking about this. But oh. anyway, uh, <laughs> I should have brought my bottle. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned it, and I've got to, to to geek out just a little bit here. But barrels have been made for you know hundreds, thousands of years. But to design one, you really need calculus. You know, yes. when you think about it, because it is not a consistent shape, it is curvature. The stave has to have different widths from the middle to the end. That is correct. The, uh, the, the, the flats, is that what you called it? I'm the not heading. sure. The heading, the heading, mm -hmm. thank you. You know, there has to be a groove in the... Uh, and the staves in order for that to fit. So it's all really a more complicated process. And then the firing and then the, uh, all of those things. So it really is a fascinating process. I just I find it amazing that people can then do this and look at the staves and match them together. And they have to do it very quickly. If you ever see a barrel raised, it will you will... You'll, your jaw will drop. I don't know how else to describe it. And what you've just explained in terms of the design of the barrel, you have to remember that liquid evaporates so that if you don't have a sealed tight barrel, your product, there's a certain amount of diminishment. You're not going to have the same amount you put in. So it's very important that the barrel is made as, as sealed tight as possible. 
Yes, yes, the angels portion. I understand. There you go. That's exactly what it's called. You remembered a lot from YouTube. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. I, I, well, I appreciate so much your description and your enthusiasm and your passion for what you're doing. I'll wrap it up with the question that we always ask everybody is, Maggie, what's your ideal day? What would you recommend for somebody? You can make this bath specific. You can make it Shenandoah Valley. You know, it, your what is your response for what is an ideal day? And that's 48 hours, right? Sure, yes, we can pack it in. <laughs> I'm going to start with bath because I think still many, yeah. many people are not aware of Bath County as being number one part of the Shenandoah Valley. You can't have a valley without a mountain, and we're the mountain. Bath County has so much. Um, if you are into the arts, we have Garth Newell and we have the art galleries. If you're into being a foodie, we have some really nice restaurants now, uh, not like we didn't before, but some really innovative chefs have come to the area and make it a fun experience. We have a lovely resort hotel in the homestead and probably have 15 or 20 different kinds of bed and breakfast experiences. If you want to bring your bike, you can bike. We have Lake Moomaw. So I really consider it this four-season everything for everybody. And that's not an exaggeration. That's not a marketing. It, it The reality of it is that's why living there is so much fun, because you really can do anything you want. You can get a massage or you can take a hike. I yeah. prefer the massage, but <laughs> lots of people like to hike. Yeah. So yeah. I would say my ideal day would start in Bath County. You were mentioning uh, before we were recording about Garth Newell. Yes. Could you explain a little more Absolutely. about that? This is also um, a very Just so people unique... people know. People don't really realize we have a facility in Bath County called Garth Newell Music Center. We have resident chamber music performers. We have... And it's a quartet. They perform every week in the summer. We also have guest performances. What's unique about this experience, number one, the setting. It's in a beautiful bucolic area. We have a, It's within a, what used to be an Arabian horse barn, but of course not looks like that anymore. Very intimate setting, maybe 150 people. So you are sitting right in front of the performers. You are, you're, you're right there on stage almost with them. And then... The room is transformed into a dining room, and there's fine dining, and the artists will then come and sit with you. So uh, Jeanette Fang, the pianist, will come and sit with you, uh, and you will have a meal, and you'll be able to talk about the experience of the music you just enjoyed. It is an extraordinary experience. It's very affordable, considering it stuns me what you're able to get, and this is world-class performance. Thank you, Maggie. Really appreciate it. For those of you who are not familiar with Bath, Maggie has done a great job of explaining both the beauty and the culture, and it is a place that you need to go because I find it absolutely breathtaking uh, every time that I'm there. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for sharing what you are doing. Thanks for Speyside with the work that they are doing both in the community and for the business that they bring to the Valley. So um, we appreciate it very much. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Shenandoah Valley Partnership. 
thanks for listening.